Chapter 4, verse 1. Listen to this message, you cows of Bashan, who live on Mount Samaria. Now, he's actually talking about the wealthy women. You're like, God, you're not supposed to call women that. God is not politically correct. If you've read all the prophets before, you realize this is so politically incorrect. He is calling them fat cows. Because he's calling them fat cows by the fact that they've become wealthy off of the poor. This is not an insult against overweight people who struggle with that things because there's lots of reasons why people are overweight. Don't misinterpret it as an American and think like, oh, that's so insulting God. He's not dealing with legitimate weight struggles that we all have for different reasons. What he's dealing with is women who've literally become overweight in their wallets, their wealth, even in their bodies of eating so much because they are literally taking this from the poor and oppressing them. It has nothing to do with all the many different issues that we struggle with weight in America. It has everything to do with, I am literally taking this from you. But knows how he keeps this language going. You oppress the four, you crush the needy. You say to your husbands, bring us more drink. This is the woman who's been on like 50 million vacations already this year. And she has three yachts and two houses. And she's going to her husband saying, I want more. I want more. And the husband says, well, I have to increase the taxes on the people. Do it. That's the idea. Bring us more drink. The sovereign Yahweh confirms this oath by his own holy character. Certainly at that time is approaching when you will be carried away in baskets. Every last one of you in fishermen pots, each of you will go straight through the gaps in the walls and you will be thrown out towards Harman. Yahweh is speaking. Now the first image he has is you're going to be led to the slaughter like a cow. And then I'm going to carry you off like fish, and you're going to be squeezed through the holes of the gates. There will be nothing left of you. You're going to become the poor yourself, the oppressed yourself. Chapter 4, verse 4. Go to Bethel, you rebel. Go to Gilgal, rebel some more. Bring your sacrifices in the morning, your tithes on the third day. Burn a thank offering of bread made with yeast. Make a public display of your voluntary offerings. For you love to do this, you Israelites. Sovereign Yahweh has spoken. So now God becomes sarcastic again. God basically says, go off and rebel and do all these evil things. And then now come to me in the morning and sacrifice to me and give your thanks offering to me like everything is okay. He's sarcastically saying, I don't, who do you think you are? You go out through the, the week and you slander people and you make fun of them and you treat people poorly at work and you use other people to get job promotions and all this kind of stuff and you don't care about these people and then you come into church and you praise God and you thank Him and you serve in the children's ministry and you think there's no connection. But surely I gave you no food to eat in any of your cities. You lacked food everywhere you lived. Still you did not come back to me. Yahweh is speaking. I brought a famine on your land, and stripped you of lots of things, you wealthy. And when you lost everything, you still didn't come to me. If you were truly, truly thanking me and offering sacrifices to me when you were wealthy and oppressing people, then why didn't you come to me when I broke you and stripped you of everything? That's where your heart truly is. I withheld rain from you three months before the harvest. I gave rain to one city, but not to another. One field would get rain, but the field that received no rain dried up. People from two or three cities staggered into one city to get water, but remained thirsty. Still you did not come back to me. Yahweh is speaking. 
when I blessed you tremendously, you didn't come to me. And when I stripped you of everything and judged you and condemned you, you didn't come to me. You can't say, oh, we don't like you, God, because you punish us. I did that and you didn't come to me. Well, we don't like you, God, because you're not giving us anything. We, I gave you everything and you didn't come to me. This is why you deserve exile. No matter what I've tried, punishment and reward, blessings and deprivation, you don't come to me. You don't come to me. That's why you deserve exile. Verse 9, I destroyed your crops with blight and disease. Locusts swept devouring your orchards, vineyards, fig trees, and olive trees. Still you did not come back to me, Yahweh is speaking. I sinned against you a plague like one of the Egyptian plagues. I killed your young men with the sword, along with horses you had captured. I made the stench of the corpses rise up to your nostrils. Still you did not come back to me, Yahweh is speaking. I overthrew some of, your, of you the way God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. You were like burning sticks snatched from the flames. Still you did not come back to me. I burned you down to all that was left of you was a smoldering stick. And right before you were completely consumed into ashes, I yanked you back out to save you. And you still didn't come to me. You still didn't come to me. This is, therefore, verse 12, this is what I will do to you, Israel, because I will do this to you, prepare to meet your God, Israel. For that's kind of like the Hollywood term, prepare to meet your maker. It does have a root in the Bible. For here he is. He formed the mountains and created the wind. He reveals his plans to men. He turns the dawn into darkness and marches on the heights of the earth. Yahweh, the God who commands armies, is his name. Okay, some of your Bibles say the, the Almighty God or the God of the heavenly hosts. But that Almighty God comes from a Hebrew phrase that is the heavenly hosts. And the word host is a military term of army. I am the sovereign king of the heavenly armies of the angels. I come because I created. I am ultimately your God and I can do whatever I want. Chapter 5, verse 1. Listen to this funeral song I am ready to sing about you, family of Israel. The virgin Israel has fallen down and will not get up again. She is abandoned on her own land with no one who will help her get up. The sovereign Yahweh says this, The city that marches out with a thousand soldiers will have only a hundred left. The town that marches out with a hundred soldiers will have only ten left. For the family of Israel, Yahweh says this to the family of Israel, Seek me. So God says, look, the armies are coming. You're going to be destroyed. Yahweh says to the family of Israel, Seek me so you can live. Do not seek Bethel, where the golden calves are. They won't help you. Do not visit Gilgah. Do not journey down to Beersheba, for the people of Gilgah will certainly be carried off into exile, and Bethel will be become a place where disaster abounds. Seek Yahweh so you can live. Otherwise, he will break out like a fire against Joseph's family. A fire will consume, and no one will be able to quench it save Bethel and save Bethel. The Israelites return to justice and bitterness, and they throw what fair is right to the ground. So notice how God is saying, my judgment is harsh, and nothing will be left after I get done with you. But remember, he's also the good and compassionate God. And what he says is, but seek me, and none of this will happen. This isn't a God who has been hurt and wrong, and he just wants to make you suffer and get vengeance on you. This is a God who righteously has to punish you 
because you have oppressed and hurt other people. And they demand justice and they deserve justice. But at the same time, you are his child. They desperately want you to come to him. I rewarded you and wanted you to come. I punished you and I wanted you to come and you didn't. So I will leave nothing left of you, but you can stop this if you come to me. I want nothing more. This is the God of Israel who says to his children, All Israel, how I long to gather you to me like a mother hen gathers her chicks in her arms. But woe to you, because it will be worse for you on Judgment Day than even Sodom and Gomorrah. That's the idea. I want you to come to me. And just like David, the death penalty is what David deserved for violating the law when he murdered. But he escaped it because he came to God. And that's what God's, this is what people miss. Yes, God's judgments are harsh. But remember, at any moment, he will relent. This is the David who was punished by God a lot. And yet when God says, choose your own judgment, Three years of famine, three months of being chased by your enemy, or three days of a plague. And David said, nature and the enemies have no compassion and don't care about me. I want a plague because it's better to fall in the hands of a compassionate God than my enemies in nature. And then when God sent the plague, God couldn't take it anymore, and David repent. And two days, he stopped the plague, even though it should have lasted for one more day. Because David got who God was. And that's what God is saying here. Yes, I will bring judgments. But any time you come to me and repent, the judgment's over with. I will send you to time out, and you will stay there for hours. But at any moment you cry out, Daddy, Daddy, please forgive me. I want to be back. Then I will cut off, and I will end your punishment short. Okay? There must be follow-through, but there's nothing wrong with cutting judgments short when people truly repent and cry out. And this is what God is saying. Do not miss both sides, for lack of a better phrase, of God's character. He doesn't have two sides, but I just have no other phrase right now. Seek Yahweh, verse 6, and you can live. Otherwise, you will break out like a fire against Joseph's family. A fire will consume, and no one will be able to quench it. When the judgment finally comes, don't think you can stop it. You can stop other armies by paying them off. You, you can stop forest fires with backdrafts. But when God's fire comes, there's no stopping it. There's no stopping it. The Israelites turn justice into bitterness. They throw what is fair and right to the ground. Why will my judgment not stop? Because if you don't seek me, you've taken my righteousness and thrown it to the ground. But there is one who made constellations, Pelides, Orion, he can turn the darkness into morning, the daylight into night. He summons the water of the seas and he pours it on the earth's surface. Yahweh is his name. I command all of creation. He flashes destruction down on the strong so that destruction overwhelms the fortified places. The Israelites hate anyone who um, arbitrates at the city gate. They despise anyone who speaks honestly. You become so evil... You hate the people who are just and right. Therefore, because you make the poor pay taxes on their crops and exact grain tax from them, you will not live in the houses you built with chiseled stone, nor will you drink the wine from the fine vineyards that you planted. Certainly I am aware of your many rebellious acts and your numerous sins. You torment the innocent, you take bribes, and you deny justice to the needy at the city gate. For this reason, whoever is smart 
keeps quiet at such a time, for it is an evil time. Seek good and not evil so that you can live. Then Yahweh, the God who commands armies, just might be with you as he claims he is. Once again, seek me. Seek me, seek me, seek me. I have to punish you. I'm going to punish you, but I don't want to. So seek me. If you seek me, I'll stop it. I won't do it. This is the infamous, well, infamous is the wrong word. This is the famous, this is going to hurt me more than it will hurt you. Okay? And you thought it was so full of crap as a kid, but then you became a parent, you're like, oh, yeah. Promote justice in the city gate. Maybe Yahweh, the God who commands armies, will have mercy on those who are left from Joseph. Because of Israel's sins, this is what Yahweh, the God of commands, armies, the sovereign one says. In all the squares, there will be wailing. In all the streets, there will mourn the dead. They will tell the field workers to lament and the professional mourners to wail. In all the vineyards, there will be wailing, for I will pass through your midst, says Yahweh. Usually the vineyards and the grain fields are a place of joy and happiness because you have crops growing and it's food for your family. And what God is saying, when the judgment comes, you'll be wailing and mourning in the fields because there will be nothing. The equivalent of this is there will be great wailing and mourning in Kroger and in Walmart. (laughs) There will be no more flat television screens. Notice how God's going back and forth. I'm going to judge you. I'm going to punish you. But seek me and it won't happen. I'm going to judge you and punish you. But seek me and it won't happen. I'm going to judge you and punish you. But seek me and it won't happen. There's the plea. There's the father. There's the father. If you just read the first part, you're like, wow, that's a horrible, abusive father. But if you read the second part, you realize, oh, this is great love. This is great love. Now we come to the woes, the two woes. Woe to those who wish for the day of Yahweh. Now, the day of Yahweh is not actually a day. It's an event. It's a multi-day event. The day of Yahweh first appeared in Exodus. In Egypt, the Israelites were the poor, the oppressed, the cheated. And the day of Yahweh came with the ten plagues. The ten plagues lasted 11 months. That's the day of Yahweh. At the end of 11 months... He ripped Israel away from the grasp of the horrible, evil Pharaoh. And then he destroyed Pharaoh with the Red Sea or the army of Pharaoh. In that same swift blow, he destroyed the nation that was oppressing them. But he also delivered Israel through a water baptism, according to Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and made them into a new people. That's the day of Yahweh. The day of Yahweh is any day that God comes down in a righteous anger and punishes the people who are oppressing his people and delivers his people. Now, unfortunately, at this moment, the people who are oppressors are his people. But not everybody in his nation are oppressors because some are the, 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 the victims and what he will call the remnant, the leftover after judgment, the ones who did not get punished, and he will restore them. That's the day of Yahweh. So this is the day of Yahweh. That's why the Bible looks back to Egypt more than any other event, over and over. That's the equivalent of us going back to the cross. Well, the cross is for us, destroying the power of the devil over us and delivering us. The day of Yahweh is what Exodus was for Israel. The day of Yahweh is any day that Yahweh shows up in exact judgment. And so what God is saying is another day of Yahweh is coming, and that's the Assyrians. And another one will come, and that will be the Babylonians. Then Isaiah will take this day of Yahweh, and Joel will take this day of Yahweh, 
and a couple other prophets, but they're the two major ones. And they will develop it into a, an ultimate global day of Yahweh. And that's what the book of Revelation is going to deal with. It starts with the exodus. It gets repeated in other moments of history. And then it's going to find its ultimate global culmination in this ultimate day of Yahweh, which is not a day, but a period of time. That's what the day of Yahweh is, or the day of the Lord in a lot of your, your Bible translations and that kind of stuff. So woe to those who wish for the day of Yahweh. So those people are like, I can't wait till Jesus comes back, and da-da-da-da-da. And I'm not discrediting that. That's going to be awesome. But if you've ever read Revelation and the prophets that Revelation is built on, it's also a horrible time period. And there are going to be lots of people caught up in the judgment. And the warning that he's specifically saying here is, woe to you, people of God, who are looking forward to the day of Yahweh because you're thinking about all oh, those people who will get punished. And meanwhile, you don't even realize how corrupt and evil you are that you are going to be at the brunt of the whirlwind. Because remember, Peter even said, judgment begins in the house of the Lord. It begins with the believers. So be careful when you say, yay, the day of Yahweh is coming, because it's actually a day where God smashes more people than he delivers, because few are those who go through the gate. And make sure when you celebrate that day that you really know where you are in your relationship with God. Are you saying, yay, the day of Yahweh, because you look really good on the outside, but you have no real relationship with Yahweh? Or are you saying, yay, because you are really, truly, intimately involved with Yahweh and you can't wait for him to set all things right? That's the question. It will bring darkness, not light. Disaster will be inescapable, as if a man ran from the lion only to meet the bear, then escaped into a house and leaned on his hand against the wall and was bitten by a poisonous snake. Now, that's a graphic image. Okay, that's like our equivalent out of the frying pan into the... He, like you run away from a bear and you're just like, oh, save, and then the scorpion, the snake bites you and you're dead. Because remember, everybody dies from a snake bite in the ancient world. They don't have medicine for that. That's horrible. Don't you realize that Yahweh's day of judgment will bring darkness, not light? Gloomy blackness, not bright light. Once again, all my students every year are like, are we going to do Revelation? I'm like, we're going to do Revelation at the very end. Because you cannot understand the book of Revelation without the rest of the Bible, especially these prophets. The prophets are the key to unlocking Revelation. And they're like, you can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait. I'm like, oh, yeah, you have no idea what's coming. And then we read Revelation. They're like, oh, wow, this is really dark. Everybody's dying. I'm like, yeah, welcome to the day of Yahweh. Okay? I mean, there's a great light at the end of it all. Jesus, God, and everything are coming down to earth. But it's after a great cleansing. And that's what God is saying. Don't be as happy for this as what you think you should be. It will be a great moment when Christ comes back, but there is a cleansing that will happen first. And it's going to break my heart as God to do this. Because for God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son so that none shall perish. That's his ultimate desire. So anybody perishing is breaking his heart. 